This is Billy Mitchell, Video Game Player of the Century, and you're listening to Atari Bytes. Welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 117. Thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, I just flew in from Milwaukee and boy are my arms tired. It's an old joke, kids. Ask your parents. No, wait. Ask your grandparents. Why was I in Milwaukee? And by the way, I didn't fly in. I drove. I was in Milwaukee for the 2018 Midwest Gaming Classic. Do you all solemnly swear to be present at our 87th annual convention at Chicago? I I do. do. Me too. Wholeheartedly unanimous. No, no, no. Wasn't quite like that. Although there was a, a collegial, collegial, collegial atmosphere. Uh, it's not like a, a fraternity or something. It's a, a gathering, an annual gathering, for those of you who don't know, of people who really like games of all kinds. Video games, arcade games, tabletop games, pinball. The tabletop games surprised me, actually. They had a pretty strong presence. There were vendors selling them. There were literally giant chess boards on the floor for people to uh, pick up pieces and move them around to play chess. There were people sitting at tables playing tabletop games. Not a lot, but some. Uh, I'm not sure. There might have been a room somewhere where people were doing that too. Like I said, it's an annual gathering at the uh, Wisconsin Convention Center. Uh, I'm told that they moved there for the first time this year to have more space. Uh, They had most of at least two floors of this convention center devoted to this, uh, to the Midwest gamers. And evidently this was the biggest gathering. I I don't know what the attendance number actually was, but by all accounts, they had to move to this bigger space because every year they keep getting more and more people wanting to participate and wanting to visit that they just needed more room. Uh, This was my first time attending. This episode this week is pretty much going to be devoted to my thoughts about having been there. But we'll get to that in a minute. First, the news. I see first thing on my list is a note I've had on my news list for a long time. just says Atari Movie Update. And of course, the Atari movie we know, uh, it isn't an Atari movie per se, but it is a a classic video game movie. Uh, Rampage is out now. Uh, I have not yet seen it. 
I was, as I said, I was in Milwaukee for the weekend. I will probably get to the movie this coming weekend, I hope, because, uh, spoiler, intended to devote next week's episode to talking about that movie. So I better get there at some point, or next week's episode is going to be a bunch of this. So if any of you have any thoughts about the Rampage movie, email me, hit me up on social media, share your thoughts. Uh, If I get them in advance of next week's episode, I will include them in the episode. If I don't have them in time for that episode, don't worry. I will play them in the next episode. Let's do a Mad Mike Hughes update. Quickly, for those of you who don't know, Mad Mike Hughes is a limo driver in California. He is on a quest to launch himself into space uh, aboard a homemade rocket so that he can take pictures of the Earth and prove once and for all that the liberal media is lying and the Earth is in fact flat. And as I have long theorized, uh, this is me, not him, I am pretty certain he's going to get devoured by dragons. Because as we all know, from looking at medieval maps, at the edge of the world, there be dragons. But at any rate... Uh, Regardless of my warnings, because I'm sure Mad Mike listens to this podcast, uh, he intends to to do this thing. He's been trying since November. Uh, He's had some technical setbacks. He had some uh, permit issues. Uh, He did actually film. He had Noise TV, which I guess is an internet TV thing, actually film a launch uh, in March. Uh, It didn't go so great. He did get up like 1,800 feet and then crashed. Hurt himself. Not badly. He's okay. Uh, busted up his rocket. So he had to get some new parts. The video wasn't all that great either. And he was very unhappy with Noise TV. And evidently he has severed ties with Noise TV. He has been uh, regularly inviting people to contribute money and buy stuff from him to fund this quest. But uh, so far we haven't seen any pictures. Uh, of this whole flat earth thing. So as we often like to do, I'm going to check in with Mad Mike's Facebook page and just see what's been up lately. The answer is... not much. The last thing he posted was April 6th, the t-shirt that he wore during the launch, which he was offering to sign along with an 8x10 picture if rocket. I assume that's supposed to be of rocket. Uh, You can get all of that for 250 bones. Uh, and I believe that was the same report I gave on the last episode of the podcast. So not much is going on. I think before that he had posted some stuff about how he had gotten in the mail some of the parts he needed to f- rebuild the rocket. He was offering pieces of the rocket for sale for a couple hundred bucks a piece. And said that he was working on a GoFundMe account, which I guess hasn't happened yet because he hasn't promoted it. So yeah, so all you flat earthers are going to have to continue to live in the shadows for a little bit longer. Because your savior is uh, MIA at the moment. For you new listeners, and I may have a few, welcome. Mad Mike has become sort of a preoccupation of mine. Even though he really doesn't have anything to do with video games. Uh, So I like to uh, give you guys a little update on on what I've seen of his exploits lately. What else is going on? Oh, I uh, was listening to another podcast recently. ID10T formerly the Nerdist podcast that uh, Chris Hardwick does. And he had Alan Alda of MASH fame, if you didn't know, uh, as his guest. And they were talking about 
Alda's done, of course, over the years, a lot of science-related shows uh, also. And he wrote a book. Uh, he's promoting a book, and he's doing some other things. And he mentioned that after MASH was over, not after MASH, the uh, sequel sitcom, but after the show MASH was over, one of the things he did was a series of Atari commercials, which I already knew. In fact, here's one right here, telling us all about the exciting new telephone modem that will change the world. Thanks to my Atari telephone modem, my computer can call other computers, and I can get information on practically anything. Look at this list. Acupuncture, adolescence, adoption, advice to the lovelorn. Everything is computerized these days. Aircraft insurance, airport delays, airline guide. You can use your Atari computer to check airline schedules, make reservations, make sure you're getting the lowest fares, even pay for your tickets. I'm not even halfway through the A's yet. Alabama Sports and News, Alaska Sports and News, annual report. Remember when every classroom had a turtle? Well, they still do. Turtles are symbols used in logo, a computer language schools are using to teach programming. By moving this Atari turtle around the screen, Billy is discovering for himself the basics of math and logic. Programming with Atari logo is not just fun. There's serious learning going on. <laughs> Look at that Atari turtle go. You ought to go hide your head. Hmm. Eagle-eared listeners will notice that there was a second commercial on there, too, of Alan Alda doing Atari shilling. When I was getting clips earlier, that second commercial came up uh, right after the first one, and I thought, what the heck? The only thing better than Alan Alda is a double dose of Alan Alda. Am I right? So anyway, he was talking to Chris Hardwick about how he did these Atari commercials, and he's kind of a nerd and a science-y kind of guy. And he got so into doing these commercials that he apparently learned to do a little programming. And he says he made up a game for the Atari computer that uh, sort of mimicked a therapy session. So... You type something into this uh, into this program, and the computer, in the role of the therapist, responds to you. And the joke is that all it does is just repeat back what you said in the form of a question, which is sort of the knock on therapists. Um, you say, I'm feeling sad today, and the therapist was, well, why do you feel sad? And you say, uh, I think that... Uh, clouds are pink and the therapist says well why do you think that you know stuff like that so he makes up this program and it's kind of going along and then the joke at the end of the the program is the computer says i'm sorry your hour is up ha ha that alan alda he's a funny guy but i thought that was kind of cool atari got a little shout out on the uh id10t podcast and like i said who doesn't love some alan alda so that was cool I don't have it in front of me right now, but when I was at the Classic this weekend, I met uh, Ryan Berger, publisher of uh, Old School Gamer Magazine. Nice guy. And he gave me, and then somewhere along the way, I think my kid got a copy from somebody too, of an issue of the magazine. And my kid was flipping through it, and at the back of one of the issues was a chart indicating old school gamers sort of analysis and guess at what different cartridges, Atari cartridges might be worth. And then it had broken down loose carts versus, uh, you know, in box. And the one that caught my eye was Red Sea Crossing. Some game I've never heard of. 
apparently a loose cart, no box, no manual, if you can get one, and if you can get someone to buy it, you could net, well, you could take in $15,961. Crikey! Yeah, so, I wandered all over the vendor area at MGC, and I didn't see a single cart of Red Sea Crossing. But uh, if, if any of you happen to have one, I might be prepared to go as high as five bucks, and I'll pay the shipping. So uh, email me, and we'll talk. Before I close out the news segment here, I just want to give a shout-out to uh, Andrew and everyone else who stopped by the table at uh, the Atari Bytes table at the MGC and let me start giving my pitch about why they should listen to my show only to tell me they already do. Uh, So thank you for that. Uh, Thanks for listening, first of all. Thanks for stopping by and saying hi. That was very cool. For those of you that I met who are now listening to the show because of my brilliant presentation, I guess, or word of mouth, or curiosity, or you just hit random on your podcatcher and this came up, I should probably tell you that what you've heard so far is pretty much how the show usually starts. Uh, I usually give a little so-called news, uh, which mostly amounts to things that I'm interested in, things I found curious or odd, loosely in the video game area, but I sometimes extend that out to retro stuff in general, or like the Mad Mike Hughes thing, just things that have sort of preoccupied me. From this point on, this show today isn't going to be quite like the typical format, uh, because I'm going to devote the rest of the show to talking about my observations and my impressions of having attended my first Midwest Gaming Conference. And so, after the break, we're dumping some smoothies into Mr. Fusion on the DeLorean, backing up around some Mario impersonators, and hoping the giant chessboard out in the hallway has enough room for us to get up to 88, because we're headed back in time, all the way to last weekend. Confused? You won't be after this episode of Soap. Whoops, my bad. I'm still pretty tired. You just listen. I'm going to take a nap. I don't recall how I first heard about Midwest Gaming Conference. A couple years ago, a little bit more than that now, I started thinking about doing a podcast and hit on the idea of doing an Atari-based podcast, you know, having listened to a few to kind of get a feel for what was there already, having played a little Atari, started listening to the podcast, started getting into doing the show and looking even more closely at Atari and video game related stuff. Somewhere along the way, I'm guessing on another podcast, I heard that Midwest Gaming Conference was a thing. Started looking at it, didn't really get on my radar radar to go. The first year I was a podcaster, but for some reason, last year I got it in my head that it was a thing I should do. Uh, I want to promote the show. Uh, I can do some of that, a lot of that, on social media. But at some point, if you have a product in this case, a podcast to promote, you got to go where your potential listeners are. And one of the places they are for a show like this is gaming conventions. So off I went. I uh, signed up, said, yes, I would like to be a vendor. 
But first, my intent was just to go and be a guest, or you know, an attendee, just kind of you know mill around and and check things out. But then you know, I quickly realized, well, they they invite and encourage podcasters to come and do their thing. And I thought, well, that's even better. I can promote the show that way. So that's what I did. Some of the process of getting signed up and figuring out what I wanted to ask for in terms of space and understanding what was offered in terms of space and uh, amenities and so forth, uh, I have to thank the Pie Factory guys for guiding me through some of that. More about them shortly. So I got signed up. Started working on stuff for advertising, stuff to put in my on my table, and you know before I knew it, it was last weekend, time to go. So last Friday after work and school, the whole family piled into the car. Uh, I wasn't originally planning to take the whole family, but you know, things happen and life changes, and you just kind of go with it. So it was me, my eight-year-old son, who's really into video games. Those of you who've been listening to the podcast for a while know that he's sort of my unofficial occasional co-host as well. My daughter, who occasionally will pop up on the podcast, really mostly because she likes to talk. Um, She has, I won't say zero, but pretty close to zero interest in video games. And my wife, who is a full-grown adult, who has mm, probably about as much interest in video games as my daughter does. But she was curious to see how the whole promotion thing went. She was instrumental, actually, in developing the uh, stuff uh, that I had to give away and the t-shirts that we all wore and stuff like that. So she was invaluable for that. And I guess she wanted to kind of see things through to their natural conclusion. So Friday night off we went to Milwaukee. Never been to Milwaukee, by the way. And frankly, didn't get to see a whole lot of it. I uh, saw the convention center and the Hilton Hotel that we stayed at. They were nice. I assume the rest of Milwaukee is decent as well. Uh, so thanks, Milwaukee. So uh, we get there pretty late in the evening. Uh, it's about 8.30. Um, trip over was a little rainy. Uh, it was mid-April, though. Could have been worse. Stay tuned for more about that. So we arrive, hustle over to the vendor hall with my stuff to set up. Go check in at the vendor hall get our table set up. The hotel we were staying at, the Hilton, was huge, at least by our relatively non-traveling standards. The kids were fascinated by the number of elevators. Uh, It was so big, it had elevators that would only go up so high, and then another elevator if you wanted to go up higher. They also found room service intriguing. It's not like we never stay in hotels that have room service, but it's pretty rare that we use the room service, even if it's available, and but this particular weekend, we were keeping crazy hours, so uh, it just seemed more convenient, uh, especially with little kids that, after a certain point in the day, get pretty owly. So we got room service quite a bit. The kids thought that was pretty cool. Henry was taken with the clocks behind the reservation desk in the lobby because you know they had the, the classic uh, series of clocks on the wall showing the, what time it was in different parts of the world. He thought that was neat. Turns out neither of my kids can pronounce the word concierge. We're a family of rubes, apparently. So yeah, so then I, uh, we got checked in at the hotel, put our suitcases down, picked up the stuff for the table at the vendor hall, went over there, got checked in, and we were set up in minutes, basically. So we get checked in at the vendor hall, and oh no, 
There's no lanyard for my wife's vendor badge. What are we going to do? I only bring this up because it was a relatively minor thing. And the organizers uh, were running around, obviously trying to deal with many, many minor things, as well as, I'm sure, lots of major things. But I'll be darned if the next morning, when we got there to start you know, business for the day, there was a lanyard on our table. Somebody had remembered this tiny little detail, which, like I say, was a tiny little detail, but it just, it speaks volumes to how uh, organized this thing was. So, kudos for that. So, we're there Friday night, we're, trying, we're getting set up. Almost immediately, I spot Sean from Pie Factory. Went over to meet him, actually, he came over to us to meet him, and to meet, and he immediately set the tone for the weekend by telling me to F off. I'm kidding. He didn't really say that. Don't write Sean nasty emails. He was very friendly, not surprisingly. He was very helpful throughout the weekend, as was everybody else that I would meet for the weekend. So, yeah, so table setup goes quickly. But by that point, after all the, you know, checking in and all that stuff, it's pushing 10 o'clock. And everybody's really tired and hungry. Oh, before I insert this random bit of audio that I recorded live, so to speak, at the convention, let me uh, go back in time earlier to this episode and tell you that I recorded random bits of audio uh, at different times throughout the classic, and I will drop a few of them into this episode. So here is the first one. It's Friday night. We've made it to Midwest Gaming Conference. It's very late. I'm very tired. It's about 9.30. We're setting up the booth. Uh, tomorrow's the big day. Here we go. So, Saturday morning, bright and early, because the pre-ticket holders get to uh, get into the vendor hall early. Uh, the kids and I arrive. Jill's off looking for coffee somewhere. There's a pretty good line waiting to get in. Midwest Gaming Classic is underway. They've Yay! just opened the door to the early ticket buyers. Our booth is up. People are walking around. We'll be famous any minute now. I'm already famous. What do you got to say as we start this, Henry? <laughs> Ew, that was disgusting. A little bit later, my wife, Jill, shows up with the coffee, thankfully, and says that security was starting to tighten up uh, the waiting area and starting to restrict where they could stand because apparently people were so eager they were trying to jump the escalator somehow. I like to think they were in a hurry to get to the Atari Bytes table. Oh, by the way, uh, as we were walking through the convention hall, it was weird because in another area they had signs up for some sort of announcing that that's where you need to be for some sort of government testing. You had to have an ID to get in, and it was all very, seemingly, very secretive. So I'm thinking that a rowdy crowd of gamers and another crowd of secretive government workers, um, that has to be a great combination. But it was okay. Everything was cool. I, By Sunday, I was totally used to the random cavity searches. I even started to enjoy it a little bit. So, my takeaway from Saturday, which in the vendor hall ran from 9 in the morning until 8 that night, overall, the impression is lots of loud music, lots of enthusiastic gaming fans, young and old, and it really did run the gamut from literally in strollers to uh, walkers, essentially. 
Lots of games, lots of hardware, lots of merchandise, lots of books, board games, dice games, cards, card games. Uh, I know about the dice and card games because between my two kids, we bought three of them. I think I already mentioned the giant chess set. They, they had laid out on the floor in the hallway a giant chess set that you had to walk around to move the pieces. And that was just the vendor area, which is where I spent most of my time. Uh, thanks, though, to Jim from Pie Factory, who uh, Jim and Sean both kind of, and I'm grateful for it, kind of took, uh, took it upon themselves to kind of look out for me in the sense of making sure I knew that I was included in things that they were doing when it was appropriate to do that and handling introductions with people that they thought I would like to meet and would be good for me to meet um, and but that I probably wouldn't have met on my own. So, for example, Saturday afternoon, Jim uh, took me on sort of a whirlwind tour of, uh, and by the way, I don't want to make it sound like uh, they were dropping names, because uh, I know they're sensitive to that. They really weren't. These are just guys that they happen to know, and I don't, so they were introducing me. We went down to the Galloping Ghost Arcade Room, Galloping Ghost being an arcade in Chicago, that those guys talk about a lot on their podcast. I've never been. I've been invited now. Um... To come to Chicago and and go check it out, which I would really like to do. They had some arcade cabinets in there that were cool. Uh, Henry had fun playing some of those. There were lots of cool guys. I met uh, Drunken Larry, uh, the guys from uh, Guys Games and Beer podcast. I also got to meet some uh, dignitaries. Uh, my word, I guess, not theirs. Who were there, you know, kind of hanging out and signing autographs and that kind of thing. Uh, the guys who worked on Mortal Kombat. Jeff Lee, uh, of course, from Cubert. Brian Colon from Rampage. Kind of neat with Brian. I have had some social media contact with him. And he actually, when we were introduced, he actually remembered that we are Facebook friends. So that was kind of cool. He was on his way out, so there wasn't a whole lot of time to chat. But we did get to shake hands, so that was neat. My regret for the weekend is that I really didn't go to any of the panels. Uh, I know they had David Crane of Pitfall. Uh, giving a talk. Uh, I think Brian and uh, Jeff Lee were giving a talk as well, and, and I didn't see any of that. Uh, I would have liked to, especially like David Crane. Uh, Pitfall's a, uh, like many of us, Pitfall's a, a favorite game, so that would have been cool. I also didn't bring anything to get autographs. You know, I didn't bring any cartridges or boxes or you know whatever uh, to get it signed. It just that didn't occur to me. Um, the not going to the panels thing, I kind of chalk up to feeling that I had a duty to stay with my booth. Jill was there, but and she did do some manning of the booth by herself, but she's not on the podcast, and she doesn't really know anything about games. So I didn't want to leave her there, so I spent more time in the booth than I might have if I'd had like a co-host or something, and we could trade off. Uh, and then, plus, I spent a lot of time, frankly walking around with the kids because the kids didn't care about the panels but they, they did care about the vendor hall and buying stuff if possible so I had to kind of uh, shepherd them around and deal with that uh, you know, admittedly I, I bought a few things myself but that ate up a lot of time time that I might have spent otherwise going to like the uh, uh, game room or the panels or I never did get to the room with the pinball machines in it at all so that, that I do regret that. I think next year, if I go, when I go, I'm probably going next year. 
I will make more of an effort to do some of that stuff. The other thing we noticed uh, in the vendor room, uh, lots of cosplay. Well, some cosplay. And it was curiously, I thought, old school. I just saw Papa Smurf. That is all. So, yeah, Papa Smurf. There were a few links from the Zelda games. Uh, there were a lot, and I mean a lot, of Mario's. A few of them had uh, Luigi tagging along. Uh, my daughter, who's 12 and claims video games are stupid, spotted Princess Peach right away. There are lots of Mario's and Luigi's at the Midwest Gaming Classic, and my daughter, who insists she knows nothing about video games, pointed out a Princess Peach. Didn't you, Sophie? This is an audio recording. You have to say words. Hi. You spotted Princess Peach, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. You know all about video games. You're a closet video game fan, aren't you? Uh-uh. Yeah. We'll see about that. Also, it seems like Obi-Wan Kenobi was running laps around the vendor hall. Because he was there a lot, and he was moving. Lightsaber, you know, flying in the breeze. I guess maybe because it's uh, the emphasis, although not to the exclusion of new games, but the emphasis at MGC is on retro gaming. I guess maybe that makes the cosplay skew towards retro as well. Uh, I don't know. It just it seemed to surprise me a little bit. Uh, I did not see enough Doctor Who cosplayers to suit my taste, however. Although there was one, I think she was actually working in a booth that had some Doctor Who stuff. She had like a, a TARDIS dress. That was cool. I'm wearing it now. Oh, the other cool thing I got to do Saturday, and I hesitate to mention this, because I don't know if they're using any of it, but at some point that day, they invited me over to uh, record some stuff with them. And we just kind of sat there for a little while, just kind of watching what was going on in the hall, and just kind of talking about it. Just re finished recording some stuff with the Pie Factory guys. Sean and Jim are good guys. We just had a nice little conversation on air, as it were, uh, as the attendees of MGC walked by, giving us a safe distance, uh, much like you would approach grizzlies in the wild. You don't want to get too close, and yet you're weirdly fascinated by what you're seeing. So, listen for that, I assume, on an upcoming pie factory, unless they realize that I'm just a rambling fool and they don't want to use any of it. So that was fun. Like I said, I don't know that they are going to use it. For one thing, we talked about just about everything except video games. You know, we talked a little bit about what was going on at the convention, kind of what, or at the classic, and kind of what we thought about it. It was extremely loud in there, so trying to do podcasting was tough. So I don't know if they got any audio that they could use or would want to use. On that note, I didn't do any podcasting uh, at the Classic. I intended to bring my microphone and stuff. I actually left the microphone at home, as it turned out. I didn't think I was going to have electricity in my booth. And it's because I had thought about doing some podcasting. But then when I found that out, I thought, well, I don't need to drag all that stuff there. Although I could have had it around uh, for after hours, I guess. It turns out I did have electricity. I could have done some podcasting 
like uh, the other podcasters were doing. But I didn't. I could have gotten some interviews probably, but I didn't. Uh, actually, I didn't really even know how to set up interviews had I wanted to. I, the podcasting I would have done would probably have just been me and whoever around me I could get to come and talk to me. Um, so on my list of things to bring with me next year is podcasting equipment. So I will probably do some recording on the scene, as it were, next year. Oh, uh, but maybe the highlight of uh, the first day, the Saturday at uh, MGC. Uh, I mentioned Andrew earlier. I uh, gave a shout-out to uh, listener Andrew. He stopped by the booth. Uh, I guess it was sometime Saturday morning. Said he was a listener, enjoys the show. That was very cool. But then he came back later that day, I think with his brother. And Andrew actually asked to take a picture with me. And I have never been asked that before, either as a podcaster or as a writer. Some of you newer listeners may not know. Um, and I mention it every chance I get because I'm a narcissist, I guess. Uh, I do some writing. Uh, I wrote a book several years ago called In the St. Nick of Time. Uh, and I've done book signings for that. So I'm used to sitting at a table and greeting people as they come by and chatting a little bit about my work. That's all familiar territory. So that was so this weekend at MGC that wasn't really anything new, although this is the first time I've done it for the podcast. But you know, in that time that I've spent doing promotion type stuff, I've never been asked to have my picture taken. So that was very cool. I appreciate that, Andrew. That sort of made day one. Okay, everybody, we're most of we're most of the way through day one. What do we think so far? It's really boring. It's really loud. Sophie's really boring. All right. So, mostly it's boring and loud. All right. <laughs> MGC is probably going to want to use this uh, diary entry for their advertising. You're welcome, MGC. Oh, and before we get to day two, Sunday, did I mention the snow? Here's the thing. Climate change deniers are probably pointing and laughing about how the fact that it's middle of April and it's still cold and snowy in much of uh, the world, much of the United States, must mean that global warming isn't a thing. But here's the thing. Did you hear what I just said? It is blizzarding in the middle of April in lots and lots of places. This isn't normal, folks. And it was not expected in Milwaukee. Now, in Milwaukee, it wasn't really a blizzard, but it was a pretty solid icy snowfall that started sometime on Saturday. So this was an interesting development. So Sunday morning comes, and it's still snowing. So we're trying to figure out, are we even going to be able to get out of here when the show's over? So that was a sort of a pall hanging over the, uh, the morning at MGC. But, you know, duty calls. So we go down to set up. We get set up. Uh, the morning goes pretty much, goes pretty routinely. Lots of nice people. Uh, because it is kind of snowy and icy, I felt like, and I don't really have a frame of reference because I haven't been there before, but I felt like, uh, certainly compared to the Saturday, traffic seemed to be down. But that's okay. There were lots of great people. I had sort of an interesting moment at the uh, table next to ours. Uh, they were selling lots of stuff. And at one point, these two kids, I'm not sure how old they were. They were maybe 16 or 17, uh, maybe even not quite that old, maybe 15. They were both clearly interested in the hardware because there were various consoles over there. 
but it seemed to be that one of them had the cash, because he was holding a big wad of cash, and the other one had at least a bit more knowledge about uh, retro gaming, because the guy, the, the seller, was showing them a couple of different consoles. He showed them uh, some sort of uh, slim pro system thing, uh, Atari thing, and also a heavy sixer. So, you know, the guy's telling him, you know, what he wants for the for the different consoles and what might be good for them. And the kid without the cash is saying, you know, it's not my money, but you know, if you want the sixer, definitely, if you if you can get it. And so the other kid's like, yeah, I'll do that. So they, they did. They bought it and they left. Like I said, these are like maybe 15, 16-year-old kids excited about this, uh, you know, 40-year-old uh, Atari system. So uh, that makes me feel good. You know, that, that there is a future for retro gaming. Later in the day, I got to meet uh, Billy Mitchell and Walter Day uh, from Twin Galaxies. You heard at the top of the show a promo from Billy Mitchell. And I get that right now he's a controversial figure. I have a hard time getting real worked up about the whole world record video game score thing. I get that he's accused of cheating, and that's not cool. Uh, if he did, uh, I get that he's denied it. I don't know if he did or not. A large part of me doesn't really care, I guess, about the scores. Uh, I don't like that he cheated if he did. But the whole keeping track of scores thing, I realize that's what Twin Galaxies does. And it's important to a lot of people, but it, it sort of goes by me. It, it just doesn't really bother me. But I got to meet those two guys, which was cool because they are big figures in the gaming world, and I, I get that, and I appreciate that. And they were there, and they were very polite, and they uh, not only did I get to meet them, uh, they actually recorded a couple of uh, promos for me, uh, which was nice of them to do. So, yeah, so don't be mad. You know, if you're a Billy Mitchell hater, don't be mad that I used the promo. Uh, whatever you think about this latest scandal, and, and I use that word, I, I hesitate to even use that word. Whatever you think about that, though, he... Uh, you know, he's a big figure. So I don't know that I'll use the Billy Mitchell promo very much, but, you know, the self-proclaimed legend seemed to be sort of an iconic part of the Midwest Gaming Classic this year, and I, I thought it was uh, appropriate to use that promo for this episode. So Sunday came to a close. The weather uh, lightened up enough that we were able to get out of town. We piled into the car weary, but very satisfied with the weekend that we had and I am already I already have a long list of ideas for next year and things I want to take with me and things I would do differently so yeah I, I just have nothing but good things to say about the Midwest Gaming Classic from the uh, games to the venue to the people there was not one bad experience so you know thanks Midwest Gaming Conference Classic Okay, one bad experience. I can't seem to stop calling it Midwest Gaming Conference, and I don't know why. Sophie, it's Tuesday after Midwest Gaming Classic. As you think about the past weekend, what was your favorite thing? It was eating pizza! That was your favorite thing about going to the Classic? Eating vendor pizza? Well... Alright, well she's thinking, what was your favorite thing, Henry? This is an audio podcast, so you can't see the awesome moves Henry's exhibiting right now. It's kind of right floss, now. dude. 
What? It, it's got the floss. The floss. You yeah. can't see him doing no, the floss. No, it's got the milkshake. No, it's got the floss. Your generation's weird. <laughs> His generation? Uh, <laughs> You're four years hey! apart. Yes, but I'm a tween, and he's a child. Okay. <laughs> well, have you had time to think of what your favorite thing is? <laughs> yes. All right, this ought to be good. Well, it was kind of disappointing, because there was no pool. Yeah, we really didn't get a chance to swim, did we? Because there was no pool! Yeah, well, no. yeah, that helps. No! But there was a dude who came in a Midwest gaming classic, and he had, like, a swim shirt and swim trucks on, and he had a towel around his neck and sandals on. So he'd been swimming somewhere? Yeah. And he just decided to walk over to the MGC without changing? Yeah. Maybe, maybe... And his hair still looked He was wet. cosplaying as Aquaman. No, it didn't even look like Aquaman, because, like, his hair was still wet. He had a towel, and he was wet. He was Aquaman. No. All right. No! So was that your favorite thing? No! Alright, well, she's thinking. What's your favorite thing? My favorite thing? No, I I know. Alright, alright, go ahead. Go ahead. The the fancy. um, Be quiet! It's like this in my house most of the time. The fancy fancy room service people. You like the room service. I knew you guys liked the room service. Yeah. I have one. I have one. Alright, go ahead. When I play, Star Wars Destiny. And you like getting the Star Wars Destiny. Yeah, doing, you like the card game. Doing five Mad Libs. Yeah, you like the Mad Libs. What was your least favorite thing? Sitting there for 11 hours. Well, yeah, the problem with working the uh, booth at the vendor fair is you have to sit in your booth a lot. What was your least favorite thing? Did you have a least favorite thing? Yes. What? When I was bored for 45 minutes. When were you bored for 45 minutes? I don't know. How am I supposed to know? I didn't have a watch. Okay. When were you bored? I don't know. You just asked me that. All right. No. Okay. What? So, any room service people, if you're listening, be faster. You guys are slow. So you like room service, you don't like waiting for room service? No! Because right. it was 11 o'clock before he got food on Friday. Well, that wasn't the room service guy's fault. We just had a busy day. We were late getting food. Yeah. Sophie, Alright, I'm going to go ask Mommy now. The roving reporter. Hi, Jill. Hi. You're on the podcast now. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, good. You said you'd never do that, and you are. <laughs> What was your favorite thing about Midwest Gaming Classic? It's mommy's turn. Um, watching all of the people. Why? That was your favorite thing. Because there were some really silly people there. Game shows, gaming shows like that bring out some interesting characters. Yes, they do. What? What was your, and Henry was an interesting character, yes. Henry's always an interesting character. What was your least favorite thing? Um... The long walk from the table back to the hotel room. Yeah. That was a drag. Yes, literally. With an eight-year-old. <laughs> now, you're not... It's probably fair to say you're not a big game person, right? Not typically, no. Did you... Did, didn't really play the video games? Nope. Up? Okay, so... 
the video game stuff really didn't impress you a whole lot, I guess, huh? I just enjoyed watching all of the silly people. All right, fair enough. Oh, did I? Oh, I did ask what your least favorite thing is, right? Yes, the long walk. The long back walk. To the the drag back to the walk. All right. Dragging well, an eight-year-old. This has been Jill's first and last appearance <laughs> on the Atari Bytes podcast. Thanks, everybody. Oh, 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 hold on. Hold on. What? Oh yeah, my also my favorite thing was when I got to the arcade. When you got to what? Go to the arcade. Oh yeah, you were like going down to the. Uh, I think it was the Galloping Ghost room, and we played some of the games. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Mom, your mom should get us a, an arcade cabinet for the basement. What does mom get then for sitting at the table while you guys went to go play video games? I don't know, listener. What's the trade-off for <laughs> the spouse buying the arcade cabinet for the basement? Daddy, pay... Uh, what does Daddy, the spouse get? Send me an email and let me know. Pay, pay mommy some money. No, pay mommy some money or get mommy a ticket so she can go to a spa. A spa day, huh? Mm-hmm. I want to go to well, the spa. We'll no. see. We'll see what the listeners say. Thanks, everybody. Next on the show after this break, I'm going to tell you about one other aspect of my time at the classic. So, since I didn't have any games set up to entice people to stop at my booth, I had to figure out some activity, some interactive thing that would attract people. So here's what I did. I I went low-tech at this gaming classic. I made up, not Mad Libs, but sort of Mad Lib-inspired stories with blanks for people to fill in and kind of make the story their own. I picked out three familiar games, Pac-Man, Pitfall, and Space Invaders. And I made up a little story for each one with key words removed and spaces for a writer to fill in, either a noun, an adjective, a verb, an adverb, or a phrase, and kind of make the story as serious or silly as they wanted. Uh, and here's the thing. I said, if you want to give me your contact information and you want to you know, fill one of these out and leave it with me, I will possibly read it on the show. And that's what I'm about to do. And then after I've read um, you know, a selection of these, I will pick one more or less at random. You know, There's one that really tickles my fancy or, or one that I just kind of pick out at random. And that person's going to win an Atari Bytes t-shirt. Uh, it's kind of cool. It has the Atari Bytes logo on the front. On the back, it says, go play some old games. They've missed you. And I'm going to give one away. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to split... The, I've got a, a stack of them here. I'm going to split this into actually two stacks. I'm going to read some of them here on this episode. Uh, but then since the episode's getting a little long for a typical episode of Atari Bytes, I'm going to read the second stack next week. And then out of those two stacks, I'm going to pick one lucky person uh, to win a t-shirt. So here we go. I'll start reading these and you'll kind of get sort of how this works uh, as we go. So Jess wrote, uh, 
This one's a Space Invaders inspired story. One day, I was walking in a black hole. I looked up and saw gods. They were laughing at me. I said, geez, and hid behind the sun. Invaders from space, what could they want? I bet they want Frosties. What should I do? I know, all boogie-woogie. The Harassins... The Harassins, invaders, mocked Earth nonstop. Sprinkles after sprinkles rained down on me. I couldn't hold out much longer. It was now or eventually. I stepped up and made the Frosties. It worked. Those ice cream freak invaders rejoiced and ran away from our planet. As they went, I shouted, Get your own Wendy's. Alright. I wonder if this person works at Wendy's. Just a hunch. Alright. Next we have uh, a story inspired by Pitfall. This comes from Jeremy. Treasure hunter Pitfall Harry dreamed of finding mustard, peaches, and MRI machines in the jungle. Alright. Rolling logs tried to crush him and he was about to cross a slippery stream when three crocodiles surfaced. One said, Panko. Alright then, Harry said, but instead skipped, skippingly, across the stunned croc's heads. On the other side of the stream, Harry scooped up a slimy gold bar and ran. He nearly fell into oatmeal-like quicksand, but grabbed a vine and swung to safety. Then he fell into an underground tunnel, landing next to a scantily clad scorpion. The scorpion boofed. Man, I hope that's not a you know, naughty word, or I'm going to have to slap the explicit rating on this episode. Harry clutched the gold bar and said, Best thing since sliced bread. Then squirreled up a ladder. I like that. Squirreled. The enraged scorpion howled. Harry saw pornography across a disappearing pond. The hunt continues. Okay. Very nice. Next we have a story from Cammy, inspired by Pac-Man. Pac-Man was heckin' hungry. His favorite thing to eat was hot buns. But that was hard to find, so he had to eat wafers instead. Off the ground, even. Pac-Man met four ghosts named Janky, Spanky, Lanky, and Greg. He asked what they were doing. The ghost just pointed. At the other end of the maze, Pac-Man saw a hot power pill. The ghost swam, then ran. Pac-Man groaned. Must he always do this chase? Pac-Man was tired of running. He got an idea to speak Korean to, uh, to the ghosts. Okay. Look, he said, pointing, it's Florida. Pac-Man gobbled the power pill and said, Goonies never die. Before running the other way, laughing, the princess of power, ghosts. Okay, very nice. Next we have a story from Heather, who, by the way, on these worksheets, uh, on these sheets, I asked if you wanted. It was optional. You could put in your age. For this guy wanted to get, get an idea of how old the writer was. Heather wrote uh, in that in response to that question, old enough to know better. Treasure hunter Pitfall Harry, this is a Pitfall story, obviously. Treasure hunter Pitfall Harry dreamed of finding loot, babes, and brew in the jungle. Rolling logs tried to crush him, and he was about to cross a timey-wimey stream. Hmm, methinks Heather's a Doctor Who fan. Anyway, uh, when three crocodiles surfaced, one said, eat at Joe's. All right then, Harry said, but instead skipped cartoonishly across the stunned croc's heads. On the other side of the stream, Harry scooped up a teeny tiny gold bar and ran. He nearly he nearly fell into swampy quicksand, but grabbed a vine and swung to safety. Then he fell into an underground tunnel, landing next to a big 
uh, ASS, uh, Scorpion. The Scorpion shuddered. Harry clutched the gold bar and said, Mine! Then zoomed up a ladder. The enraged Scorpion howled. Harry saw babes and brew across a disappearing pond. The hunt continues. Uh, I wonder if this Harry hangs out with the pornography searching Harry in the other story. Interesting. Next we have a Space Invaders story. One day I was walking in a peaceful diner. I looked up and saw Mega Man. They were jumping at me. I said, Mamma Mia! And hid behind Buzz Lightyear. Invaders from space, what did they want? I'll bet they want our lemons. Okay. What should I do? I know. I'll dance. The swollen invaders searched Earth nonstop. Spaceman, spaceman after spaceman rained down on me. I couldn't hold out much longer. It was now or Frodo Baggins. I stepped up and saved the precious lemons. It worked. Those filthy invaders from space melted and ran away from our planet. As they went, I shouted, Lemons, be free! I like that. It's like the old Mort for Mort bit. You know, Fly, be free! As he's trying to set the eggs free, and they just keep, you know, crashing on the counter. Kids, if you don't know who Mort from Ort is, ask your parents. We have another Pac-Man story. Pac-Man was really hungry. His favorite thing to eat was glass, but that was hard to find, so he had to eat wafers instead, off the ground even. Pac-Man met four ghosts named Gabriel, Ava, Jennifer, and Jeremy. Another? Didn't we have a Jeremy earlier? We had a Greg. Okay, maybe not. Anyway, he asked what they were doing. The ghost just pointed. At the other end of the maze, Patman saw a small power pill. The ghost screamed, then ran. Patman groaned. Must he always do this chase? Patman was tired of running. He got an idea to fight the ghost. Look, he said, pointing. It's Danny DeVito. <laughs> Patman gobbled the power pill and said, Scooby-Dooby-Doo, before running the other way, laughing. Dumb ghosts. I like the mixture of uh, pop culture references there. That was good. Also, I would totally watch a movie with Pac-Man, Danny DeVito, and Scooby-Doo. Hollywood, get on that. Alright, next, Space Invaders. Alright, this one is not uh, dirty, but it, you may uh, not feel like eating after I read this one. Here we go. Space Invaders, the real story. One day, I was walking in a smelly bathroom. I looked up and saw turds. They were laughing at me. I said, seriously? And hid behind a toilet. Invaders from space. What should they want? Oh, but they want farts. Okay. What should I do? I know. I'll crap. The fat invaders barfed earth nonstop. Fish after guts rained down on me. I couldn't hold out much longer. It was now or school. <laughs> okay. I stepped up and blasted the snot. Ew. It worked. Those bloody invaders from space diarrhea Joey. I forgot to say your name was Joey, by the way. Also, did I say the name of the last person? No, I didn't. The Pac-Man story was Healy. Man, I, just, I haven't been saying names. The Mamma Mia Dancing Spacemen story was Nathan. Alright. Uh, so this one, this really gross story is from... Joey, and Joey, I just want to compliment you. I don't think I've ever heard diarrhea used as a verb, but you managed it, my friend. Those bloody invaders from space diarrhea diarrhea and ran away from our planet. 
as they went, I shouted, fat booger, or eat boogers. Fat burgers would work too, I guess. Alright, then we have, ah, Joey got in here twice. He also submitted a Pac-Man story. I cannot wait to see what this is. Pac-Man was freaky hungry. His favorite thing to eat was Uranus. Okay, that's pretty clever there, Joey. But that was hard to find, so he had to eat wafers instead. Off the ground, even. Pac-Man met four ghosts. Fartface, Smelly Man, Butthead, and Milford Dillman. Okay, if any listeners out there really is named Milford Dillman, I'm terribly sorry. He asked what they were doing. The ghost just pointed. At the other end of the maze, Pac-Man saw a smelly power pill. The ghost farted, then ran. Pac-Man groaned. Must he always do this, Chase? Pac-Man was tired of running. He got an idea to sniff the ghosts. Look, he said, pointing. It's Mr. Stink. Pac-Man gobbled the power pill and said, It's gross, before running the other way, laughing. Smell it, ghosts. Alright. There's a theme. Ah! We get the trilogy. Those of you who are worried that we were not going to get the trilogy, huh, we got the trilogy because Joey is back again with a pitfall story. Treasure hunter Pitfall Harry dreamed of finding arcades, pinballs, and Pokemon in the jungle. Rolling logs tried to crush him and he was about to cross a greasy stream when three crocodiles surfaced. One said, I'm hungry. All right then, Harry said, but instead skipped stinkily across the stunned croc's heads. On the other side of the stream, Harry scooped up a fat gold bar and ran. He nearly fell he nearly fell into green quicksand, but grabbed a vine and swung to safety. Then he fell into an underground tunnel, landing next to an ugly scorpion. The scorpion puked. Harry clutched the gold bar and said, Let's rock! Then screamed up a ladder. The enraged scorpion howled. Harry saw a poop across a disappearing pond. The hunt continues. Next we have Jason with a Space Invaders story. One day I was walking in a glorious forest. Hmm. I like how the story is starting. It's very peaceful. Very nature-oriented. I looked up and saw pixels. Alright. They were frowning at me. Well, so much for peaceful. Now we're just getting weird. I said, uh-oh, and hid behind a floating block. I think that's what it said. Invaders from space, what could they want? I'll bet they want quarters. What should I do? I know, I'll make change. <laughs> Seems so obvious. The creepy invaders blowed, blasted Earth nonstop. Pixel after pixel rained down on me. I couldn't hold out much longer. It was now or dollars. I stepped up and exchanged the dollars. It worked. Those creepy invaders from space powered down and ran away from our planet. As they went, I shouted, See you next weekend. <laughs> I wonder if Jason's doing kind of a, uh, a meta thing. Um, turning my little space invading story into a, uh, a metaphor, an allegory or something for spending time at Midwest Gaming Classic. The, the classic being a world of its own. You know, and the Space Invaders being a video game that you put quarters in. Heavy, man. I dig. Anyway, alright, we got a couple more, and then we will get out of here. Uh, another Space Invader story from, I'm going to say Steph? Yeah, let's say Steph. One day I was walking in a hallway on campus. 
I looked up and saw none. Okay. They were making peace signs at me. I said, peace on earth. This is nice. It's very pe- I thought the forest thing was peaceful. You got nuns uh, giving peace signs. How much more peaceful does it get than that? So I said, peace on earth, and hid behind the water foundation next to the girls' locker room. Okay. Invaders from space. What could they want? I'll bet they want redheads to join them. To join them. Hmm. What should I do? I know. I'll volunteer. All right. So we're getting some uh, insight into Steph. Apparently, Steph is a redhead. The oddly positive, inv- <laughs> the oddly positive invaders hovered over Earth nonstop. Britney Spears appeared. Wow. So far, we've had Danny DeVito and Britney Spears sightings in these stories. By the way, I would watch anything that Danny DeVito and Britney Spears appeared in together. Just saying. Britney Spears appeared after acid poison darts rained down on me. Was she shooting the poison darts? I'm confused. I couldn't hold out much longer. It was now or time to run. I stepped up and galloped the henchman home. It worked. Those holy invaders from space inched, 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 I guess. Those holy invaders from space inched and ran away from our planet. As they went, I shouted, Peace, man. That's nice. I like that. It's been a while since we had a good Britney Spears reference. All right. And the last story for this week, we'll save the rest for next week. We're going to finish up with a Pac-Man, the real story. Pac-Man was slippery hungry. His favorite thing to eat was... Uh-oh. Hold on. I better uh, read ahead here. Okay. We're okay, friends. I'll start over. Pac-Man... Uh, this is from Cecilia, by the way. Pac-Man was slippery hungry. His favorite thing to eat was a person. But that was hard to find, so he had to eat wafers instead. Off the ground, even. Pac-Man met four dashing ghosts named Count Chocula. You already get points from me, because Count Chocula's awesome. Darius and Marvin and Cleopatra. He asked what they were doing. The ghost just pointed. At the other end of the maze, Patman saw a meager power pill. The ghosts fly, then ran. Patman groaned. Must he always do this chase? Patman was tired of running. He got an idea to sleep. The ghosts. Look, he said, pointing. It's tropical smoothie. Patman gobbled the power pill and said, right on, before running the other way, laughing. Sometimes she goes, sometimes she doesn't, ghosts. Um, the tropical smoothie thing, I think, is a reference to, you know, sort of a uh, uh, meta-reference to one of the vendors, food vendors, at the, in the vendor hall that was selling smoothies. The sometimes she goes, sometimes she doesn't thing, I assume that's like a, a phrase that people use, but I'm out of the loop. I don't really know what it means. If someone else does, let me know. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. I don't know. But nice story, Cecilia, and everybody else. Thank you for those. Next week on the podcast, we will read another batch of Mad Lib-style stories. And then at some point, I'm going to make a decision about uh, which one grabs me the grabbiest. Yeah, so I think I have exhausted my thoughts at the moment about uh, the Midwest Gaming Conference. It was just a really awesome time. If you like these old games, and I assume you do because you're listening to this podcast, you should think about going. It's not, you know, it's not super high-pressure... Uh, ultra nerdy uh, hardcore gamers. There, well, there are certainly some ultra 
uh, hardcore gamers, but there were also a lot of people there that were probably more like me, frankly. They're with their kids just because they kind of like these old games and they like the stuff related to the old games, superheroes and Doctor Who and you know stuff like that. Um, it's just fun. It was a very they build Sunday as sort of family day, and there were a lot of kids there that day, but there were kids there on Saturday too. So, you know, so don't feel intimidated if you're not, you know, a 20-something hardcore gamer. If you're well older, well beyond that age range, like me, uh, with kids and stuff, it's still a good time. Um, people are great. The event is great. Go do it. I'm pretty sure I will be there again next year. And again, welcome new listeners. Uh, please tell your friends if you like this show. Um, like I said, this episode hopefully was entertaining. It's not quite the same format that we usually follow on the podcast. Next week won't be quite the same format either, frankly. But I hope you stick around. I hope you tell your friends. I hope you go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever they're calling it now, and leave a review because that that is helpful to help other people find us. And so with that, I guess here's the part where I say, and that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his music, uh, Reformat, Pinball Spring, and Take a Chance. Show notes and episodes and social media and all that kind of stuff are found on the website at ataribytes.libson.com. You can email me at the show ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. You can like the show on our Facebook page. You can follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes, or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. So the show is also on Instagram. Go check out the Atari Bytes page there. Uh, I post the occasional random weird thing over there. It's kind of fun. Uh, Atari Bytes, you already know this because you're listening to it. It's found on a probably on most any podcatcher you want to find it on. If it's not on a particular podcatcher you really like, let me know, and I will try to figure out a way to get it on there. We don't have a whole lot of episodes on SoundCloud. Now that I say that, we don't have a whole lot of episodes on SoundCloud, but there are a few on there. But like I said, uh, don't forget to wander over to Apple Podcasts slash iTunes and leave a review because that really is a great way to, uh, first of all, give me some feedback, what you think of the show, uh, and also help other people find the show because of the those funky algorithms that, you know, the more positive reviews the show gets, the easier it is for people to find. If you're able, I would encourage you to support the show financially on our Patreon page or by stopping by our Atari Bytes store at Zazzle.com, uh, AB underscore pod underscore store. Links to all of that in the show notes. Uh, please check that out. If you have time, also check out my other podcast. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown. That's the name of the show. New episodes drop on the 15th of every month. It's a one-stop shop for anything you want to know about the Peanuts comic strip and the animated specials and Snoopy and Charlie Brown and Schroeder and all on and on and on. If it's related to the Peanuts universe, we talk about it on that podcast. And by we, I mean me and the occasional guest. Uh, the April episode, we had uh, author Stephen Lind, who wrote a great book called A Charlie Brown Religion. A lot of episodes we review the animated TV specials or the movies or have other guests. It's just a really good time. So go check that out. Next time on Atari Bytes. Last week on the episode, we talked about the Rampage Atari 7800 port. Rampage, of course, is a classic arcade game designed by Brian Tolan, who I met this weekend. 
uh, this past weekend at MGC. Nice guy. Uh, and now, as we speak, the movie Rampage, based on that game, is in theaters, starring Dwayne Johnson. Uh, I'm going to go see the movie. I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to try and get my occasional co-host, Henry, uh, who's eight, to see the movie with me, and then we're going to do a movie review next week. So check that out. If you have seen the movie and you have thoughts about it, or when you see the movie and have thoughts about it, good or bad, email me those or hit me up on social media and I will talk about your thoughts on the show and see how they compare to mine. So that'd be a good time. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you. I'm still really tired.